Hi, I'm Pete Townsend, and this is our seventh episode of Money Never Sleeps, a podcast kindly sponsored by Top Tier Recruitment, a specialist recruitment consultancy in fintech and financial services. In this episode, we talk to Barry McCarthy, the founder and CEO of Assure Hedge, a Dublin and London-based fintech startup that are enabling individuals and businesses of all sizes to easily protect their cash flows from currency rate changes. Owen knew Barry before today from his own work, and I worked with Assure Hedge last year. Barry helped me de-romanticize fintech and see a startup for what it truly is, which to me is an ever-changing cluster of infectious energy on a budget. Barry also made me develop a much finer appreciation for the movie Glengarry Glen Ross. But before I start dropping quotes, on with the show. All right, hi everyone. Welcome to the seventh episode of Money Never Sleeps. We're here in Dogpatch Labs in Dublin. I'm Pete Townsend. And I'm Owen Fitzgerald. And we're here with Barry McCarthy, the founder of Assure Hedge. Hey, Barry. Hi, Pete. Hi, Owen. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So to get started, you want to just tell us a bit about you, a bit about Assure Hedge and what you're up to? Yeah, sure. Um, so Assure Hedge uh, was founded uh, two years ago uh, by myself. Um, we've grown into a team of eight, uh, eight, eight staff members here at the Dogpatch Labs. Um, we've got an office in London now as well, in, in, uh, in Canary Wharf. Um, Prior, prior to starting Assure Hedge, and I'll tell you a bit more about the business uh, at some point later on, but uh, prior to starting, I was a financial markets trader uh, for 15 years, um, day trading uh, S&P 500 and bonds and uh, Eurostox 50, and generally uh, generally living a, a bit of a chaotic uh, existence, trading in you know London, Chicago, Gibraltar, and, and uh, a few other places in between. Um, so I moved into Assure Hedge um, because I felt there was a major lack of any products available for smaller businesses to actually use these derivative products that I'd been trading. Um, and so we created a very simple to use uh, product that um, simplifies the whole process of managing currency risk for smaller businesses. So uh, we've got a very easy to use app and, and web-based platform now. And in a couple of seconds, a, 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 a smaller business can get the same products that uh, very large corporations have taken for granted for years. Okay, great. One of the now I spent some time with you guys last summer and had a fantastic experience with Assure Hedge, and we talked about this on our last episode with Karen Malone, where we suggested that when you move out of the corporate world and you move into the entrepreneurial world, there's this thing called scarcity of resources. And whether that's people or money, it's that it can all be gone in a month. And that was the first thing that I truly appreciated about coming to work for you guys, was just seeing that um, the romanticism of fintech is kind of out the window. It's about doing business, about getting the job done, right? And it's about delivering and hitting certain targets every week or every day for that matter to be able to keep things running. Um, one, of the, one of the interesting things as well is that um, you know, your own personal experience of, I talked about you and described you in the past as a proprietary trader, right? And that, um, or you traded your own book on FX. Tell us about that transition from moving into being just a, a self-starter, a self-operator to um, getting your own business launch, bringing people in, getting them to deliver. How has that gone for you? Yeah, well, like it was obviously a big change in, in 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 some ways, but in other ways, the the kind of uncertainty, the financial uncertainty that I've lived with my whole adult life, um, prepared me well for startup 
land. You know, a lot of people come from big corporations into starting businesses, and 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 I think that's tough um, because dealing with the whole uncertainty, like it, it's it's not easy. But um, it, you know, I, my stress levels probably wouldn't have been as high as uh, someone coming out of a out of the corporate world. Uh, but having said that, I mean, trading is 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 it's a very um, niche skill set, and the longer you do it the less you develop any other meaningful or useful skills. <laughs> so, um, and I kind of got that feeling after a long time, like I couldn't, I couldn't stand up and, gi- and give a presentation to people. You know, I couldn't program, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do a lot of skills. That, you know, I didn't know how to do politics and manage people and, and all that stuff that everyone in a, in a big corporation would take for granted. So there was pros and cons to the, to the, to the whole experience. Um, but, um, you know, s- s- for me, I learned quickly, um, you know, you can pick up a lot of skills. You don't need to know everything about everything when you found a company. You just need to know the essentials about lots of different areas, and and that's that's something I got my head around pretty quickly, especially in the area of um, regulation in particular, uh, which which is kind of one of the biggest uh, aspects to our to our business today. Um, but yeah, it's been I mean it's been been a fun journey um, in terms of I've learned more in the last two years than probably. 15 years before that uh, in lots of different areas and definitely my energy levels are, 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 are gone way up um, and my fun and my enjoy- enjoyment levels have gone up uh, at the same time. And what do you think have you learned the most I suppose, or what has been the most challenging part of the last two years? Definitely when I came in uh, I was over optimistic and unrealistic about the details of creating a business um, there's an awful lot of hard work and there's an awful lot of grind and you know it's, t- it's taken a long time to, to you know, to build the processes in the company and to build a team and you know to get regulated and to get bank accounts everywhere and you know there's there's a million kind of painful boring details jobs to be done which i underestimated like big time um big time um, so i've got a major dose of reality and i think if i was coming you know coming back in again now i'd be a lot more you know fresh i'd be a lot more realistic about the the dr- there's a lot of drudgery as well and uh you know, people people come in with unrealistic expectations. Uh, so that's kind of the biggest thing I've learned. And what are some of the hard decisions that you've had to make? And whether that be specific or just, you know, uh, examples of the types of things that have been hard for you to say, listen, we have to do this, we have to do that, we're just going to do it. Um, problem- without, without giving too much away, yeah. obviously with regards to the people involved or the business or the clients or, you know, the, the funding sources, those types of things. But... Yeah, well, 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 look, you know, every every startup is perpetually running out of money, um, and and cutting back on your plans because you don't have the funding has been a, been a been a big thing for us. Um, you know, you got to stay in the game long enough to to get traction and to prove out your product and hit the milestones, and so it can be sometimes very hard to 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 pull back, you know, and 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 and, and slow down your, your your plans a little bit. Uh, it's a lot easier to expand. You know, everyone likes to expand and hire loads of people and do this that and the next and go into this new market but you know to be able to pull back and just you, you, you know take a breather till you're ready um, th- that's tough um, you know m- the team as well managing the team um, I didn't have any experience of, of managing people before um, and you know I thought it would be easier than it is um, I'm lucky that I have a great team today um, that works complements me really well I can be really annoying and uh, frustrating for them a lot of the time, but we found a, a good dynamic where you know, especially our head of product, Margaret and Graham Carrick in operations, um, we've got a really good dynamic now where uh, we work we work off each other's uh, personality traits and skill sets, and uh, it's it's gelling really well now. 
And was it hard to try to identify those people? Because we've had uh, guests on before where they've spoken about, the, the, you know, giving away that control when you've started something and it's yours and trying to find the right people and then the right people to kind of hand it over to. It is hard, yeah. It, it is hard because, I mean, interviews, I'm not a big fan of picking people based on interviews. Uh, I'd rather... I'd rather have someone refer someone to me or, you know, meet them in person at an event or, or you know, for them to, I mean, like, Graeme, for example, just kept kept phoning me and emailing me until, you know, until he got a meeting and, and then I met him and I realised, my God, this guy's, this guy's brilliant. And, uh, you know, so he's kind of show the right tenacity uh, to do the job that he's doing. Um, and, uh, you know, people like Margaret came in as a referral from someone that I, I trust and had worked with her before, you know, so interviews are very, very flawed for me um, in terms of actually letting go no that's that comes really really easy to me yeah I, I, I have no, no issues there in fact probably I, I need to go the other way a little bit uh, the truth be told but uh, <laughs> yeah. when did you when did you realize that you had something that you said oh my god I've actually come across something here that you can turn into a business a product that could be sold what was that point in time for you well, look, very early on, we realized that it's a big project that we're trying to do and nobody's done it before, not even the banks. And we were told, you know, in the early days when I was asking around and getting opinions, we were told, like I was actually told I was off my rocker by a very senior banker that with regulation and with the complexity, there's no possible way it would work. And uh, I was fortunate to join um, an accelerator program um, in the NDRC, the National Digital Research Centre, which was fantastic uh, development f- for me, gave me focus. They have a big, um, they have a big emphasis on actually going out and talking to customers and doing customer discovery and and validating your ideas with, with, with feedback from real customers. You know, because a lot of people think they have the solution and they go and build a you know all bells and whistles product and find out that it, it's not the right product for the market and you've just burnt all your money at that stage. And, you know, that, that's something that um, the NDRC are very good at, at training um, people to avoid, you know, because they've a lot of experience in this. Um, and so part of that process is when I realized I had something. We, we went out and we spoke to, you know, we spoke to all types of businesses about their currency risks. Um, I started with the likes of Ryanair and Pfizer, you know, giant corporations. And we realized very quickly our product had no benefit to them. You know, they already had 30 banks queuing up to to give them the best possible service and and the lowest cost and then we went to the other end of the scale where we had a you know one and two man person companies doing a hundred thousand dollars a year of exports and they weren't necessarily the right company either um, because we couldn't we couldn't make a profit on that um, so we, we found somewhere in the middle basically as our um, as our as our target area where a company is big enough to have you know substantial currency risk but not big enough to to fall, to fall under the radar of the banks uh, as, as someone they want to work with. Um, um, and it was in those conversations, the feedback, you know, so many so many people just looked at the product and said, my God, this is so easy and simple. Um, and we designed it that way. You know, I tested it on family members who have no financial background and people I grabbed in the NDRC and just random people. And I said, look, does this make sense to you? And, and we kept changing the product till most people who looked at it said, yeah, it makes sense. So we've really, really tried to make it simple. And talking to all these uh, businesses on the discovery phase, we just knew we knew we had the product. Yeah, yeah, I've used it myself. It's fantastic. I was delighted from end to end with the whole experience um, and happy to say that publicly. Um, and 
you know, you, you have simplified something that has been incredibly complex, right? And, and the process of being able to say to a small business, um, we will protect the downside of your foreign exchange cash flows, right? That's it's pretty simple and that you get to keep the upside. Um, and that was pretty cool for me as a business to be able to, to see that firsthand after working with you guys. Um, where do you see things going in the next few years for you, you know, with, with this business? Well, how do you think this is going to unfold if you had a, uh, a crystal ball? Well, I've learned, I've learned in the last two years to be a bit more realistic with my plans and goals. Um, now, we still want to become the world leader in technology that powers hedging products for, you know, not just our end user customers, but we want to we want to start powering the, the products that banks provide uh, because it's really important to us that we get these products out to as many people as possible, whether it be ourselves or true partners. Um, so we're, ha- we're already having some really interesting conversations with banks. We're joining um, we're joining a network called the Temenos Marketplace uh, at the moment, and that's really exciting for us because it's like an app store uh, for financial technology products. And so we've been accepted onto that store. And um, Temenos, if you don't know what they, they do, they're they're massive software firm that that powers the um, back end of banks. So, you know, for example, some some major bank, some major a, ma- a major Irish bank at the moment is is is, is putting in Temenos into their entire back end, and and it basically modernizes the whole technology. But what it means for us is that we can go on this store. There's three thousand banking customers on this store. Um, that have between them 600 million customers. And so they can find a sure hedge on that store and they can choose to use our product and integrate it into their product suite. And then immediately we, we could have 50,000, 100,000 customers uh, that, that are immediately connected to us. And it solves the integration problem of our product as well because banks can, can be quite eclectic in the way their technology is pieced together. And uh, via the Temenos platform, we, we, we've real opportunity to quickly and seamlessly uh, connect the banks. And I saw you got a, a shout out from the Taoiseach uh, at the recent Temenos event. I believe he referenced you guys in his speech. He did, yeah, yeah. Um, he was actually, I think he was in Dogpatch uh, uh, before that as well, but um, we, we were very lucky. Um, he he picked out our, our, our company out of everybody and because he feels that we're offering um, a genuine solution to businesses to help them navigate one of the consequences of Brexit, which is currency volatility. Um, and we've seen, you know, with mushroom producers uh, in Ireland, many of them went bankrupt because of this volatility, and it's a big, big problem. Um, and Taoiseach feels that what we have is, 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 a, is, a, is, a, is a real solution to that problem that's accessible. The most important thing about our product is it's accessible. Um, banks have these products available, but they're very hard to actually get access to. And you you've got to deal over the phone, and there's no there's very little price transparency, and customers often left confused. Whereas when they log into a SureHedge in a couple of seconds, they can see what they're actually getting in plain language. Um, so we're, we're very much a tech solution to this. What keeps you going um, when you when you've had a bad day? How do you how do you or, or how do you convert those awesome days into even better days? Um, bad days are bad days are, are pretty easy to deal with because there is no real bad days because I mean this is first world problems we're talking about here. You know, I mean I don't I don't really I don't really like whiny founders because I mean what you're doing is very much first world stuff and your problems are quite small. Um, when I had terrible days, I've had a That's few. That's a good perspective. Yeah, I I I, I always try to think like. You know, in the whole planet, or 
you know, there's people really struggling uh, with real struggles, and this is just kind of, you know, it's important work we're doing, but it, it's not life or death. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, I mean, someone sent around a video there on LinkedIn a few days ago, and I, I often think about this video. It's of a guy in, in um, Bangladesh, and he has no arms, okay, at all. And the video shows what he did, right? A lot of people just give up on life. You know, this guy, this guy learned how to become a tailor using his toes. Wow. Right? wow. And I thought, no way. And I watched the video and you, he's actually using, he's operating a sewing machine. He's sewing. He makes amazing uh, garments and suits and it showed him making them. And he's got a whole load of customers. And he's got a whole livelihood out of this now. So I have a bad day and I go, my God, like, I just think about this guy. I go, Come on, you can get over whatever whatever problems you have. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great perspective to have. And who do you who do you lean on? Who's your rock? Well, thankfully, like in Dublin, there's a fantastic community of people ready ready to help at every at every opportunity. I mean, I don't think anyone that's started a business, uh, unless they're delusional, would say that it was all them, right? There's a lot of luck involved. There's a lot of support involved from all sorts of people, and um, we've been really lucky to be backed by. The NDRC, um, who who were, who were a major help in, in the early days, and I really recommend them as as an option for someone who wants to start a business. Um, Enterprise Ireland have been a massive help. Um, they invested in us, um, you know, at a time probably when we weren't looking very investable. Um, there was regulatory kind of overhangs, and I was there. Know, yeah, <laughs> and but that that investment was 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 hugely in, instrumental um, in bringing on other investors. Then, um, and you know, I don't know where we'd be without that. So that they've been a massive support, and you know, people like yourself, Pete, uh, who've, who've come in and, and shared your massive experience in, in banking with us, and gave us some some really great insights and helped us make our Thank define you. our strategy uh, really well. Um, um, I got, I got, I got to say, people like Helen Fullen as well, who, who I'm a big fan of yep. uh, in the NDRC. She, she, she's done amazing work for us and introductions for us. Um, um, but obviously, the biggest of all those is my long-suffering wife, uh, Mary Michelle. I was uh, waiting for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she's she's heard so many rants uh, in the evening and given me a slap in the face and said, "Get your crap together. Come on, stop whining." Stop whining like a baby. But I remember one thing she did for you. Um, I think you had a presentation to a bunch of French investors. And she's French-Canadian, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, and she kind of, she might have helped prepare um, a, a, a bit of a, a speech that you gave them, didn't she? Yeah, that's right, yeah. It, it, went, it went down brilliantly, and I, I, I struggled with languages, with, 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 with foreign languages, but... <laughs> She tried coaching me on a nice paragraph, you know, and it, it, it just wasn't working. So um, she came up with the idea that she would write the entire thing phonetically, right? So it would look like absolute nonsense. But when I read it, it kind of sounded French. It was you know? powerful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when I, when I read it out, the whole, the, whole, the whole crowd were clapping and, you know, yeah. it, one of the senior guys even invited me over to France after it, you know. Yeah, it like, <laughs> see if you could replay that speech <laughs> without the prop. Yeah. Yeah, but um, she's kind of you know she's a, she's she, she's a secret board of director in, in the business really you know and um, I really would you know it's great if you're single starting a business you know that you kind of you kind of give a full on but if you if you got a wife and kids it's a different matter right and if the wife if the wife is not behind you mentally it's over you know so I really have to thank her because um, she believed in the whole thing and you know it's been a long time developing. And uh, yeah. she stuck with the whole idea, um, but you know, if she, if her belief had gone at any stage, it would have filtered into 
into my head, um, but thankfully it never did. Um, so I, I have to I have to say a big thanks to to Mary Michelle for for that support. There you go. Um, and I cannot forget my own team in the business um, who who have been amazing. Um, like without that team, there would be nothing. There would be nothing. Um, so they've been been really amazing, believing in something that you know didn't look achievable, which hopefully is achievable now. And uh, so I got to thank them for 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 everything they've done. Um, they've given up big opportunities elsewhere in the corporate world uh, to be here and uh, I uh, can't wait for them to see see the, the, the big success that is uh, happening at the moment and will continue. Yeah, yeah, like like a good, good friend of mine says, find find your purpose and the money will follow, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I suppose, I mean, that kind of brings us to a, towards an end around, you know, the thing we'd like to ask is what do people not know about you? So, I mean, one, one interesting thing. It may not be expected okay. about Barry McCarthy. Yeah. One interesting thing that I can say here share. that people don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's suitable not to share. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think yeah, some of the some of the team there were, were amused when when I told them I'm completely colorblind, um, which they, they find it was it, it caused a lot of problems actually in life. Um, like color, system on color coded trading dashboards. Yeah, disaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they turn them black and white, but um. They had all these systems on Trello, like, and they're wondering why I wasn't doing the high priority tasks because uh, <laughs> I, I just couldn't see them, and uh, it just it doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't work well. But it does cause a lot of problems. I wanted to get a, a private pilot's license, you know, and, and you can't get one if you're colorblind. Uh, in Singapore, it had a bit of a disaster where me and me and another guy bought a, um, a boat um, after we'd had a good a good run in the markets, and we went in together, and the thing took six months to arrive. Um, Singapore being Singapore, I had to do um, a six-night training course first to get a to get a cert, like an exam and everything, and then um, I went. This is right, let's go. And then there's no, no, you got to do practical now. And I had to do like a a weekend course, like a training course, and then I had to do a test with an instructor. And then I says, right, let's go. And he says, no, you're still not ready to go. You have to do a medical as well. I was going, oh, for God's sake. And I went to do the medical, and the doctor held up this book with kind of blotchy colours and he says what number is in that circle and I said what are you talking about says, there's no number in there <laughs> and then he says sorry you failed your medical you can't no licence and so I had to sell my share in the in the, in the boat and never... how old were you when you did that when that happened I was about 27 27 and the, your yeah. dream was to be a pilot not my dream but I thought it would be pretty fun yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great well thank you Barry yeah, we appreciate you, you coming much. on yeah, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks, guys. Yeah. Yep, all right. Brilliant, thank you. Thanks. We'd like to thank Barry McCarthy for opening up his mind for the seventh episode of Money Never Sleeps, a podcast brought to you by Owen Fitzgerald and me, Pete Townsend, and sponsored by Top Tier Recruitment. We're now on iTunes, so please subscribe and leave us a review. Also, check out moneyneversleeps.ie for more. We'd also like to thank Gav Timlin and Conan Brophy from Create Sound for recording and editing this podcast. Finally, thanks to Dogpatch Labs for hosting us and for their unwavering support of the startup community in Dublin. Till next time, like Blake said in Glengarry Glen Ross, ABC, always be closing, which is what I'm doing right now. See ya!